call is now being recorded. So there's this thing that happens. Yeah. When you speak, you hear you hear your head voice. You hear the reverberations that um, are basically coming out of your skull, along yeah. with the voice that comes out of your mouth. Other people only hear the voice that's coming out of your mouth. So there is a there's a difference, but and it's kind, it's kind of like looking in a mirror that's reversed or taking like a with like a, a selfie cam that yeah. um, that keeps the perspective that flips it so that you look like how you look to other people. So when you look at the photograph of yourself, that's like from the point of view of someone else, you're like, oh no, that doesn't even look like me. Well, of course it does, and and the way you sound to other people is is the same is the same sound that you hear back when you listen to yourself recorded. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, or yeah. actors who see themselves on, on screen or, or television for the first time are like, "Oh no, that's like horrible. That's not that's not me." Well, of course it is. So I get it. Like, um, but take it from me, you sound like, you know, a normal voiced person without anything to be nervous about. And, uh, yeah, there you go. All right. So, uh, so yeah, we're talking about, um, Talking about some rap music today, I suppose, yeah? Yeah. Um, specifically, the uh, the artist um, Aesop Rock, not to be confused with Aesop, Aesop Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Completely stylistically different. Although uh, both based out of New York, but... That's a totally different story. In fact, in the Wikipedia for Aesop, it says right at the top, not to be confused with ASAP Rocky. <laughs> that would be funny. Like, if, if, like, cause I don't know how much overlap there is between those two fan bases. Probably not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Right, you got real, real hip hop connoisseurs and uh, just bottom feeders. The bottom feeders, right? Oh man, make a bunch of people mad now. Um, so, and then uh, of course, um, also talking about um, LP, now famously known as uh, one half of the uh, Run the Jewels duo. You know, I kind of hope yeah. they don't make a, a fourth album. Why? Why is that? Uh, because I think one was good. I think two was really great. And I think three is at the level of one. And mm. I don't, I don't see them yeah. progressing beyond like the artistic level of Run the Jewels 2. I see. I see. You, you just don't want to see a decline. I'd rather not see a decline. I'd rather, uh, <laughs> I'd rather artists that I like like go out on top rather than 
try to try to pander to what their audience might want next. Yeah. Do you think they're running out of material? Well, their themes are kind of limited. Uh, but I don't know if that's the nature of uh, – I, I, I think that LP himself alone has a huge variety of things that he could uh, touch on. But I think with the addition of uh, Killer Mike, limit that, focus, that focus gets limited to a certain mm. uh, like style, both stylistic and um, content that is hard to break out of. Because I think um, LP is just more a lot more versatile than than Mike. I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong, but that seems to be the case. Yeah, I can see how that is. Um, but I know that uh, it's kind of getting beyond what we wanted to talk about a little bit, but I know from past conversations that that these two, Aesop Rock and LP, are, are essentially your, your favorite uh, like hip-hop rap artists. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really profound lyricists and um, they're wordsmiths. You know, they 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 know how to put together a verse. Definitely, there's a quote um, by um, by Aesop Brock about his lyrical style uh, in an interview interview that I pulled up, and um, he says that. Um, because sometimes sometimes his lyrics are very prone to subjective interpretation by people who don't know what he's talking about specifically because he does use uh an just an interesting variety of words and metaphors that may not be completely obvious to the unaccustomed listener or who don't know uh his background yep it's pretty so far reaching right and so what he said was that um quote it's probably because it's not the most accessible music in all the world it may pose a slight challenge to the listener beyond your average pop song i'm no genius by a long shot but these songs are not nonsensical that's pretty preposterous I'd have to be a genius to pull off this many nonsensical records over people's eyes. It's not exactly fast food, but when people pretend I'm just spewing non sequiturs and gibberish, I can't help but think they simply haven't listened and are regurgitating some rumor they've heard about me. Even if it's not a laid out in perfect sentences, is any rap? You'd have to no. be an idiot not to at least grasp a few things from these songs or have had no interest in pulling anything from them in the first place. Uh, close quote. So, yeah, I mean, I've heard that before, that uh, he's too wordy or too esoteric um, or that it's just like word salad. Yeah. But to his 
but to his point, that would be kind of amazing if someone was able to maintain a career just spouting like nonsensical garbage. Like, um, uh, and let's be completely fair <laughs> here. Um, all the mainstream basically, you know, they maintain their career doing just that. <laughs> well, it seems like uh, maybe like more than ever, but perhaps without the dense lyrical content, um, the you know, the the popular rappers who uh, are talking gibberish or these days are just like onomatopoeia sounds like like the sounds of tires squealing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that only, like all the ad libs and things like that, that can only go uh, so far. And I don't know if we're at like peak trap yet, but it it appears that, I mean, if it was interesting at all to begin with, like everybody's heard every version of this new super dumbed down um, high tempo like style i mean i i can't i can't imagine anyone coming up with something new on that like trap rap basis that would be oh, yeah. at all different from anything we've already heard it's all recycled. It's all been done before, and there's nothing unique about it, and it's it just gets old. Like, um, anybody who's actually into lyricism and, you know, hip-hop, like, they they can't stand that that, that stuff, you know? And it's it, it, wear, it wears one down to hear it all the fucking time on the radio. Sure. And so it's, it's refreshing that... that these two guys are still active and popular, at least to a certain extent, to a certain large minority audience. Um, and I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. I mean, both of both Aesop and LP are in their mid forties now. Um, like a lot of like old old rappers, or yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting. We've never really had this this experience before with with people in this genre you know, maturing, like, maturing, hitting like forty, even fifty years old, like like even people like like E forty um, like, um, like is fifty. Yeah, right. That's amazing. You know, like he still is like he's another he's another guy who. Um, is very subtly, or more, maybe more subtly, uh, verbose than a lot of, um, certainly a lot of, a lot more than the like typical West Coast rappers. He he's the guy who came up with a lot of the, the kind of terminology and and hip hop like phrasing that uh, is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we, uh, I have a quote. Uh, uh, 
I remember from Face Melter in uh, one of Aesop Rock's song, he he has a quote in there where, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to read it out right now. Uh, sure. He says. <laughs> so when the disc changer goes from guns to space, it it is not an attempt to fake credibility for the public. But fuck it, it's Ace Rock, six records of gibberish, right? He's trying too hard to be weird and different, right? Right. Or could it be? Or could it? Or could it possibly just m- maybe be his lessons? Can't be summed up in a linear set of pop culture references. Wow. <laughs> That's great. And yeah, that kind of says it all right there. Like, like is it like is it too complicated for your uh, jaded ears to even like get into? Or have you been that dumbed down by the culture that that you can't even? Begin to understand something a little bit more in depth than the than the typical uh, trite garbage that you might hear from anybody else. Yeah, uh, he's a, he's a reader. You can tell from uh, his unique diction that he, he's a, he's an avid reader, and he spends a lot of time, um, you know, I guess. <laughs> Like putting together his verses, uh, I, I would assume it, it would, like some of it, some of his verses, not not all, but some of it looks like it, it, it took a lot of time to create. You know? Oh, I would imagine um, because there there's so much going on lyrically that um, it's just not the kind of thing that someone would typically be able to write out uh, just on the first go. Like, yeah, I would imagine there's a lot of like brainstorming and and um, like free writing, and then yeah. going back and editing and and then like, changing things. It's more like um, perhaps more like like writing a short story uh, rather than a song, but then putting it into yeah. that song style format uh with you know with bars and verses um i've i've learned i've learned a lot from him and um it's it's just it's just crazy i mean some of his lyrical content content is like so it's so deep i he 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 probably spends a lot of time just coming up with the concepts of the uh of his tracks you know and is i've i've listened to some of his songs that i've i've been hearing for over a decade and like i i'd go i'd go through a new experience i remember there was this one period in my life where i kept going through i was going through a lot of experiences and as I would go through each experience, I would remember one of his lyrics. It would pop into my head, and I would be like, oh, so that's what he meant. Oh, and like, wow. over, yeah, over a decade, like, even over a decade of hear, like, hearing the same song of his, it, it just, it makes more and more sense every day, you know? Sure. 
Well, there might be a reason for that. Um, in, yeah, well, in, May, yeah, well, in May in May of 2014, like four years ago, yeah, this, this guy named Matt Daniels, he found that Aesop Rock's vocabulary in his music surpassed 85 other major hip-hop and rap artists, as well as the work of Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Yeah. and Moby Dick. Uh, he has by far the largest vocabulary in hip hop and according to this uh this little article to build up his vocabulary he reads a lot of news and science articles and writes down all of the words that he finds interesting so if you're reading something and something catches his attention he'll write that word down and like and save it yeah so as you're going through life and you've heard all these songs over over this period of you know a decade of course the most interesting things you know as far as like the most interesting words that this guy's reading and putting down in his lyrics when interesting things happen to you you're naturally going to reflect back on these unique lines and in this lyrical content that that you didn't know was speaking to you until kind of after the fact and and yeah. that's uh you know he says he's not a, a lyrical genius but i i would beg to differ for that very reason like most songs that you hear you might it doesn't work that way i guess it works like you hear the song again and then reflect back on a on a feeling. But you're saying you have a feeling and then you reflect back on the on the song or the lyric the lyrical content of that particular song, like a like a line of his would pop into your head like, Oh, that's what he meant or oh, I'm going through the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is and, like that's amazing. Yeah, and uh it's like as I gained more life experience, I understood more and more of his content. And it, it seems like he, he's he's very well read, at, but you have to have life experience to, to fully under and a lot of it to fully understand his content. And I think sure. that's like the, that's the key, and that's what a lot of people. I mean, I'm sure you could give his uh, work to someone that's really well read, and they they still wouldn't understand the thing. Right. No, that's probably uh, true. You know, um, yeah, I've, uh, I've liked him from a long time. For a long time, it, when I found his, um, his the Float album at a uh, like a used uh, CD store back in, yeah. uh, I guess it was like 2003. Yeah, I found Float and. I couldn't stop listening to it. Like that's so my favorite. I couldn't, I couldn't like believe what I was hearing. Yeah, because it was so different and it's and so classic. much of a so even much of a puzzle. Mm -hmm. It's it's a classic, and it even has classical music in uh, the 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 beats of it. You know, it, he he composed that. Like that's a masterpiece that. I think he will never 
that's a one masterpiece that I think he will never be able to top again. And, and that's just how I feel. I mean, he, he may progress in other ways, but that is a classic that I think he will never be able to touch. And well, it was very personal. Like it was, it was really kind of an examination of his his life as a teenager. Yeah, in a lot of ways, uh, he was. Uh, I mean, he was only a couple of years out of college, and yeah. so he was reflecting back on, which he does a lot, but but more specifically, like his. His like teenage years growing up, whereas whereas uh, Labor Days, you know, a, a year or two later, was much more focused on um, like American society, wage mm-hmm. slave wage slavery, mm-hmm. where he was now kind of launched into the real world, so to speak. After school, yeah. he's back. He's like now he's actually out there and the nine to fivers anthem <laughs> right the nine to fivers exactly um and my favorite like i don't know if it's my favorite but like certainly like one of my favorites is his bazooka tooth album bazooka tooth oh yeah <laughs> right and um I don't know. I just like the energy of it. I think that it has a lot to do with, um, I think that my love of that album in particular has a whole lot to do with the other guy that we're kind of talking about. And and it was, it's LP's production of it. Like it's just so noisy and in your face and and powerful. Now, now in retrospect that I think about it, uh, it, it was very toxic. That that was a toxic album, <laughs> right? A, a, like a, a, a big departure from kind of the more sedate, I guess, if you want to, if that's the right word, sedate instrumentals of his previous was two little, albums. Presumably, came out like like just that first track. Like it's all all jumbled up, and like it mix, it mixes into a different song. That's yeah. like on a different beat, and it's all blended weird and bazooka tooth, baby. But <laughs> <laughs> like he was, he was like, I guess, I guess it's about uh, my conception of like the whole bazooka tooth concept was that, oh, now he's gonna spit hard, like, yeah, like you know, now it's time to like get angry, like after yeah. going through the first two records where there was a lot was more resentment more in introspective. Yeah. This was way more like out there, you know, with uh, songs like, um, you know, no jumper cables. Yeah. I, I <laughs> th- that <laughs> <laughs> one other album that I really liked, which I, I kind of think was a classic up there with, even though others may disagree uh, I think it was up there with Float was probably one of his one of his first, if not the first album that he released. Music for Earthworms. Oh right, right. The, his basically his um, 
is, yeah, I mean, he did he did two records, right? He did uh, Music for Earthworms and then um, the Apple Float. EP. Oh, the a- Apple Sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? What's the line in one of the songs where he talks about, I think it's in Bazooka Tooth, where he talks about how how people want him to go remake music for Earthworms. Oh, yeah, yeah. He does mention that. He's like, he's like, he's like, no, no, no. I've done with that. That's years ago. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Uh, uh, so good. It's so funny. And just like looking at this stuff, um, music for earthworms sold. Get you ready for this? It yeah. sold over three. It sold over three hundred copies. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's Whoa. it. At the time. At the time. I'm sure now. Yeah. That number's gone up significantly, but at the time, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, and he was still he was still in his last year of uh, uh, college, where he was getting his uh, bachelor's degree in um, what photo, like photography or something. I'm not sure, but. yeah, that's where he met Blockhead in school. And I don't, I don't know. That Blockhead, like the his the that musical guy. Yeah. His his beats are kind of sound like his name in a lot of ways, and they're choppy. Very, like sometimes they're very choppy and stiff, and I. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if if that held back Aesop's popularity a little bit. I'm not saying that in a super negative way, but that's been that's a criticism I've heard from other people yeah. too. Is that it wasn't blockheads? It wasn't they're too they're too sterile and they're too uh, they're not they're not bouncy enough. They're too blocky. Yeah, yeah, I I can see how that is. I mean, it, I think he person like he he personally makes beats for Aesop like and that's all he does and I I don't I don't see his beats as something that you could play in any type of uh party environment, really. Right, or have anybody else like rap over the top of him successfully. Yeah. I, I, I you can't right. You can't put other lyrics to it. You're right. You're right. <clears throat> Maybe because uh, most other rappers aren't as uh, like lyrically dynamic, which kind of it provide. I don't know. It, the music provides a nice, even platform in a lot of ways for him to be so verbally dynamic, perhaps too. Because if the music was like overly interesting. It could, I don't know, it could take away from kind of some of what he's saying. Perhaps, I don't know. That might, that's like a, that's a criticism that I could, I could at least kind of listen to. And it, it, cause, because it's not based on some kind of like weird 
like throw away ignorance like oh it's just it's just nonsense or yeah um yeah and i've i've heard his 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 beats are a little underdeveloped too kind of like it's like home homemade beats you know right and and i think maybe that well certainly i mean that that of course must be done on purpose yeah yeah i mean i i he, i'm sure he's a sound engineer and they know what they're doing but i guess they do it for that effect particularly to make it maybe a little more like indie you know and not mainstream you know well yeah i mean cuz the music isn't isn't performed in a vacuum i mean the people that make music have heard other music and know what it sounds like in relation you know to the other stuff that's around like you can't you can't escape it like if you hear something you automatically have to relate it to something that you are, you already heard like so yeah. of course it sounds in a in a particular way because that's how it was designed <clears throat> i mean musical criticism is is tricky anyway be, at least for me in in a lot of ways because you only have so many notes you only have so many rhythms that are applicable yeah you know i mean we're just reassembly of different of the same sounds in different ways so um i find it hard to to criticize the creation of a musical piece i but i you know I, on the other hand I know what I like and what I don't like aesthetically to my ear. And there's no escaping that. You know, we don't get to choose what we like, which is interesting to me. When you hear something or you see something, you either automatically like it or don't, or you're somewhere in the middle. But it's not like you consciously say to yourself, oh, I'm choosing to like that, which would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> what? So uh So let's let's talk a little a little bit about um LP. Mm. Um now I was introduced to him really primarily as a as a producer so, initially. Okay. Like I never and I guess that was really with uh with uh the like Death Jux label and the compilation that they produced. Um oh, what was that? The orphanage. Of, uh, well it was that compilation of all the Def Jux artists. And I don't remember what it was called exactly, but he he basically produced the whole thing, and it was really interesting because I had never heard of most of these people, and uh, yeah, and, and then and then it was really on Bazooka Tooth that um, I heard him on. What well, we're fam- we're famous? Is that what the name of the song was? Yeah, he did, he did have a really good verse on that song. Yeah, um, and then I kind of lost a track of him for a while. 
I think uh, you, it sounded like in that song he was taking shots at Slug from Atmosphere. <laughs> oh, right, because they had that, they had some early collaboration, right? Yeah, and I, I he didn't mention any names, but it just uh, for some reason it, what he was describing sounded like he was he was going at Slug for from Atmosphere, and then later on they broke off and Aesop decided to go with Rhymesayers and Slug. Oh, right. And right. I think I think he may have saw this coming, and he may have been a little, you know, shooken up by it. So he he decided, you know, I'll throw the first blow, you know. <laughs> but well, I, was it that like was it that that Aesop was being somehow mismanaged or mistreated or by uh, by rhymesayers, and so LP's like, nah, get over here, like, and you know, f those guys. I mean, what, like, there's still some mystery as far as I know about what, what happened to that relationship, right? Yeah. Because it, it didn't last for very long. Yeah, and they, they the funny thing is they, they don't really even mention each other anymore. I mean, they don't even really say each other's names, but... Some, I mean, in some of, I've heard some songs where, where it sounds like they're talking about each other, but they're not really even mentioning each other. Sure. So, and, yeah, I mean, as far as like his rapping goes, LP. Yeah. Like I, I kind of gained an appreciation, really, uh, when like Run the Jewels came out. Um, in uh, when was that? 2011? No, 2013. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I I remember here uh, one one verse that he 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 did on this one song called uh, "Gun for the Family." Have you heard that one? I have. Oh my God, that that verse. I mean, both of them. They, they what they did in that song was like black magic. The way they. The way they described whatever they were describing, it, it was just out of this world. You know what I mean? Right. I'm gonna pull up the uh, the lyrics here. Yeah. So, I mean, because I, I honestly, I feel like I've lived through both of those verses, and hmm. most of them, like most of the parts of those verses, and. That that's why I say it. That it, it it seemed like they were doing black magic. It was just amazing. Well, they, like what's he like? What are they talking about? It sounds like um, sounds like recovery to me. Sounds like uh, Aesop was uh, getting kicked out of places and. Uh, it's, it sounded like it, 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 what the song sounded like to me was, you know, gun home, get home, you know, get, get to the family, gun for the whole family, which is like it could have two meanings, you know what I mean? Like gun it, gun it home to your family, or gun for the whole family, you know what I mean? Right. And right, I thought it was more about, frankly, about like. Uh, the after the after effects of uh, like nine eleven, 
Oh no, that that song it has to be it has to be for uh, about recovery because the things that LP says and Asaf says in that song, a game of slaves and saints, and then you you have to you have to uh, like just re- read it. Uh, you you know what I'm talking about. That song is definitely about recovery. I didn't I didn't get any hints of 9/11 in there. Hmm. Interesting. Before, because the first line. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the yeah. The boss, the boss cut us before, before shooting troops is cooler than hula hoops. Yeah. High noon was your basic who's who of brutal truth. Hot summer gun or box cutter slow dance, turning mm-hmm. into a dozen paper dolls holding hands. Yeah. And then it's uh. That that popcorn. Rest- I mean, did we turn, did, I don't know, there could be a debate about that, but. Um, no, no, you're, you're right about that. That was a, that, that was a reference to the 9-11 thing, but I think the song is based around recovery. I think the whole point of the song was the recovery thing, uh, theme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. And, well, yeah, and maybe in a, maybe in the. Maybe in a broad sense. LP, uh, what does he say? He says, read LP's verse. Tune to Hellamundo for action-packed blasphemy. Yeah. That big city translate your face till it atrophy. I let the schadenfreude boy and actually deployed to void with grin to watch laughingly. Yeah, bitch. Pass the peas. It's a laughing. I can smell the tragedy when hatching. Happily, dispassionately, passion. Alive with the madness of demise, like yes, the pain dazzles man past the popcorn. That's a, that, that's uh, that's also uh, something that's mentioned in the Big Book of Recovery, AA. Right. And uh, what was I gonna say? Ah, uh, damn it! Can you read that one more time? Sorry. <clears throat> oh, that in the fir- his first little few lines there. Mm-hmm. Tune to Hellamundo for action-packed blasphemy. Big city, mm-hmm. translate your face till it atrophy. I let the schadenfreude boy cut out actually deployed to void with grin to watch laughingly. Yeah, bitch, pass the peas, it's a laughing. I can smell the tragedy when hatching. Happily, dispassionately, passion, the okay. the and of demise. You, you, you know what I think he was referring to right there? That he can tell when someone's going to go out before they even go out. Interesting. And sure. he was saying... He's happily dis- uh, dispassionately patched in. That means he's like he's introverted to a point where he doesn't give a he doesn't give a crap. He might be living with a bunch of addicts or whatever in a, in a recovery home, but he can sit there and watch it all day and watch people go in and out, and he doesn't give a well, crap. Then he, well, then he goes on and says like, uh, "Past pop- popcorn is reality at its finest, and yet it still unravels at a pace like molasses." I guess the last of seconds before the worst of disasters stretch past us. Wouldn't you agree that it, it, it is fabulous in the corridors of entrepreneur wars contort drastically tilted I adjust to climates of the wilderness, walk along my spine, take the pilgrimage up to the section that's reserved for the smirk of the coldest witness. Witnesses. Yeah. Work. Work. What did it say after that? Work. Work, you motherfuckers. Hooray. There's 
All day to die. Innovate the mayhem with grace. The good form, fall, fuck it, I'm going to warn y'all. Nah, I got the front row to the greatest entertainment that an angel never saw. He's talking about those meetings that they have in recovery homes. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, 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 when he says, walk along my spine, take the pilgrimage, I think he, he, he was talking to some a manager of a recovery home. I think that's, interesting. that's like, you know, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, what I want to know is if other people, you know, who hear this have have a different take because that would be fascinating to kind of hear other fans what you know what people actually get out of these two guys' lyrics because they're so dense and they're so mm-hmm. filled with meaning that it's sometimes either hard to decipher or can take on multiple meanings. Yeah. And that's really that's really where the art is. On a, on a not... in, in one, I remember one of his songs, uh, I think it's $4 uh, Vike. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that one from LP? I have, yeah. Where he, he says, don't ever say you're not one of us. He said, let me pull up the lyrics. Give me one second. Uh, Is that like a a $4 pill? uh, Yeah, he's talking about Vicodins when they're $4. And everybody remembers this. This is when, uh, as far as uh, opiate addicts, like that's when the prices were were good and like, you know, and... Right. because yeah, now now they sell them for even more nowadays. But that's when sure. the price is really good. And right, right. Um, he says, <clears throat> "Back to dose me, back to hold the do- high closely." Right. Yeah, yeah, and it, that that song you could tell it, it was about. Uh, just that, and and in one of the lines, he goes for the Aggie with a baggie, with a bottle, with a smile, with a sip, with a swallow. And don't you yeah. ever try to say that you're not one of us, my love. Yes. We are the touch. We are the entrusted with the same tomorrow. Like yes, like yes. we're all gonna and die. He's talking. He's talking about uh, the disease of addiction right there. He said, "Don't ever say that you're not one of us, my love." We are the touch. We're, we're entrusted with the same tomorrow. He, he, dude, that's, that's so sinister in a way to say that as an addict. You know what I mean? Well, sure. I mean, the whole thing is about self-destruction and not just me, but you too, and we're going together. Yeah. And, you and, know, like, and hook, a lot right? of it. Dude, so I'm I, I, living like a $4 vic, jumping off the world till I get there. A lot of trouble for a little bit of win. Mm-hmm. In the gasoline and sulfur in the sin, you cannot throw me into the briar patch, bitch. This is where I live. Like in the in the pariah patch. The you know what a pariah? Patch. Patch. No, I, I I I found the I think those those are wrong. Um, I found an, I I think he 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 said pariah patch, and you know what a pariah you know what a pariah is, right? Sure. Um, sure, it's a cast cast like a uh, exactly. 
someone who's not uh, not worthy to to be in the group. You're you're mm-hmm. cast away. Outcast, so yeah. You're an outcast, yeah. right? Yeah. So I th- I think you may have pulled up uh, lyrics with an error in it, but that that's what I that's what I heard, and that's what I think he meant. You know, I think it would work and, either way too. For that, yeah. I'm, right now, I'm reading it off of. Uh, off of a uh, rap genius. Yeah, uh, me too. How funny. You are? Yeah. Yeah. But well, anyways, I, I, I changes, uh, it, it could be different, but like links could be different. I, I, I think he, I think a lot of his songs, if not most of them, I think all, like pretty much most of his songs are made for people just like him. And he 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 makes music just for uh, specifically addicts, you know. And yeah, and Aesop does too in a way. Aesop does too in a way. I remember in one of his songs, he mentioned that he 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 pulls change out of his back pocket for uh, drunks, like a like a car, like a lowrider scrapes his belly or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I remember. I remember him mentioning that, like, he he gives his spare change to drunks. You know what I mean? Right. And and I th- I think yeah, they they, they basically they, they make. I mean, the target uh, consumer base are addicts, or no, at I least mean. at least recovering or recovering addicts. But well, they both had their their very dark days for sure. Like whether they yeah. are. Whether they are addicts or not, or just have had emotional crises, or like with Aesop's mental breakdowns, they've both been Aesop, in, in extremely dark places. And he, he's, Aesop has talked about needles and kicking, like, he's talked about opiates one too many times, but he, he chooses to do it in, in ways that are... Uh, pretty clever some sometimes it doesn't even sound like he's talking about drugs but i've i've heard him talking about sharing diseases with needles and right. you know what i mean i the guy has really dark lyrics and i know for a fact that he was uh an opiate addict a heroin addict mm. okay. i could i could tell from his lyrics because there's no way a non non-heroin addict would have ever written something like that. I mean, he talks about tar, and in one of, one of his newest songs, he, he actually says heroin. So, mm-hmm. um, sure. so, I mean, in the beginning, in the beginning, he, he hit it pretty, pretty damn well with his lyrics. But later on, I guess he, he was like, ah, who cares, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, no, I, I, uh, I fully, uh, behind those ideas that that both of them have yeah. uh done all of the things that people would imagine that someone who is in the grip of addiction would do for sure you can you can hear it you can see it in their lyrics you can you can see it in their beings and i kind of want to um <clears throat> like I kind of want to end this with a because I I uh, read a Aesop Rock quote 
initially about his lyrics, and I kind of want to end this with a quote from LP, which has something to do with your kind of nervousness in the beginning about having this conversation, which is kind of cool. Like, I, I didn't plan this, but it's kind of the way it wrapped up. And what <laughs> what LP said is that, quote, first and foremost, I wanted to do it because it scared the shit out of me. And when I get offered the chance to be involved with something that scares me, I usually do it because I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to understand music as much as I can to become a better musician in general and work in different capacities. Nice. And and this is something that you and also uh, I are fairly new at, the idea of having a conversation conversation like this, which we've had before, but never for public consumption. Yeah. So I want to get better at talking about the things that we're interested in, which is kind of what you were nervous about. And I share that too. So it's, I think it's a cool way to, to wrap it up regarding like, you know, these people that we admire and think are artistic greats have the same kinds of apprehensions and self-doubt. And when something the regular is... People help. Right, the regular people. And when something is scary, like an opportunity does make him nervous, that maybe that's the thing that you need to go for because... Well, it's like it's like that's going to help you grow the most. It's like people talk about in recovery. If you're uncomfortable, you're probably in the right place. You're probably doing the right thing. Yep. Because you're supposed to be uncomfortable. You know, it's cool. Yep. And and that's where you grow the most when you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was a this well, was a cool conversation. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. Yeah. All right. This is uh, the V2V podcast, episode number 16, if you can believe it. I can't believe it. But, uh, <laughs> like, that that we've actually made it this far. And and to the listeners out there, if you've made it this far, please uh, give us a like and hit the subscribe button uh, so we can continue to bring you interesting and cool content. And uh, have a good night. Peace.